0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. Once again, due to the Rona, we are here with another guest this time. Last week we saw what goes on behind the scenes of an iRacing event. We talked to Sean Ambrose, he's a director over at the Global Sim Racing Channel, does a fantastic job bringing broadcasts to the average everyday person so that they can sit and watch it right uh, from the comfort of their home. This week, we have someone that's participated in many of those sim events, at Stafford especially, and someone that races at Stafford in real life. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, my friend?
1: Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm Ryan Fern, driver of the 12 Late Model for Fern Motorsports at Stafford Motor Speedway.
0: Not only the driver, but you are a winner, the defending winner of the big money race, the longest race of the year. So I, I have to start off this show by, by asking about that, just walk us through that race, that whole night, and, I mean, victory lane and all that afterwards. Oh, man.
1: ah, uh, that, that, This is like a whole month-long story, but we'll, we'll try and get it <laughs> condensed, condensed down here. So, um, there, were, there was a week in the middle of the summer, and I don't know where I started, but I found myself in second place. And there was another driver, Michael Bennett, that was up ahead of me. So I was chasing him down, chasing him down. He had uh, quite a big lead, but I had the faster car. And then eventually I got up to his rear bumper. And it was taking a while. I was trying to stay patient, look for the opening on the bottom. And I went for it coming out of four. Our bumpers ended up hooking between uh, my right front and his left rear. I mean, I didn't mean to do it. I tried to back out, but he he was just hooked at that point. And he went through the, the infield and the front stretch. So... He didn't take too kindly to that. So, uh, he gave me a nice shot to the left rear on, uh, the ensuing restart. And, uh, I kind of, I went for the save, but I didn't have it. So I went, you know, front clip into the wall. That was, uh, expensive. We were out for a week. We came back the next week and we broke a spring bucket. So we weren't able to finish there, but I think that, uh, we were able to get enough data with the new front clip on the car and everything, and, uh, We were able to come back the following week since the spring bucket incident, and uh, we were able to capitalize on a very nice front row starting position, I guess, and then uh, just hold on to it from there. So it felt really good.
0: So you had that that front uh, row there. You were out there leading the race. You ended up winning it, and it was – we talked about this last night. What was it, 34.50 to win that race?
1: Yeah, there, there was a bunch of money up for grabs. I I don't remember it, if my math is correct. I think it was like, whatever, fifteen hundred to win it. But then they brought out this this gimmick. Oh,
0: I that's mean, right.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't know if I should necessarily call it a gimmick because it was it was pretty cool. I mean, I didn't really care how it landed, but it was a giant inflatable six sided die. And the thing is, is if it landed on one, then the winner of the race would be able to get all the money. And I mean, I ended up in victory lane, so I got to throw the dice and the long and short of it is it ended up landing on one. I couldn't believe it. And that was, that was the extra rest of the money.
0: Well, that was a, a very good payday for you. And that was your, your rookie season. And you managed to beat your uncle, Tom. Fern. I'm ah, cousin. I always say uncle, always, always, always say uncle. You managed to beat your cousin, Tom Fern, who is an absolute legend at Stafford on and off the track. So did you, did you get any advice from him beforehand, before that race or, you know, after the race, did you go over and Hey, this is how you, uh, you run this joint. If you want to win the big events.
1: I think the only advice that he gave me before that race was don't wreck him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the only advice. I mean, I didn't know what to expect out there. I couldn't believe that um, we started, I believe, third that week. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I Honestly, I don't really feel like I beat Tom in that race. He had a much tougher starting position, and he definitely had a fast car. But because of his starting position, he ended up getting into a lot of uh, unfortunate mishaps and everything throughout the course of the race. At one point, they ended up having to put... Um, some old tires, two old tires on the car actually. And that that was really hurting his lap times and everything. So by the time we got to the long green flag run at the end of the race around like lap 30 or something, he was just trying to cruise, pick off cars if he could, but it was looking like he was going to be, you know, top five at best because he just didn't have what he needed to be able to get up there. I mean, I didn't really get to see him all that much that race. I didn't really get to race side by side with him. And Honestly, there's been some other races during that 2019 season where I did get to battle against Tom. And those are some of my favorite moments from 2019.
0: I was going to say that must be so awesome to be out there racing and being related to him. I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to him many times in the past. Very nice, genuine, down-to-earth guy. But behind the wheel, he is an absolute monster. And I mean... No offense to him, but you don't look at him and think that's like one of Stafford's most winningest drivers. You don't look at him. He doesn't look like a race car driver if they're, you know, they have that stereotypical look, I guess, if that even exists. But when you see him out there behind the wheel, it is, it's just unbelievable. And then he climbs out the car. And I mean, I'm, I'm doing like interviews with him and I'm looking down. Like I'm six feet tall, so I look down at him. And, but I still, I still feel, I mean, two inches tall next to the guy. He's absolutely amazing. So having, I guess, that name and that legacy there tied to you, do you feel any pressure from that when you're out there trying to perform?
1: Well, I guess I'll put it like this. I see Tom at the shop, and he's just Tom. You know, he, He's always joking and uh, being the entertain- entertaining one and all that stuff.
0: Right, And that's
1: that's all great, but then he gets into the car, and Tom disappears. He (laughs) becomes one with the car, and it's the most intimidating thing that you can possibly see as a race car driver. You are behind him, okay? You are stopped in turns three and four, waiting to go around for pace laps to get your tires warm. And you're looking at the left rear quarter window on his roof, and it's just wind stickers. All wind stickers. And I've seen that part of the car so many times, but seeing it from inside the car with him right in front is, I don't know why, but it's just something else and really drives home that this guy does not mess around on the track.
0: No, he, he absolutely doesn't. I mean, he's running out of places to put wind stickers on that car. Tom isn't your only relative out there. You've also got your sister, Alexandra, and you have both found success out there in your own divisions. You run a late model. She runs a limited late model. Is that for any particular reason, or is that just you want to run late models and she wanted to run limited lates?
1: I mean, my sister's a fantastic race car driver, but I don't know. I guess the reason is, just that at the end of 2018, I'd gotten like six wins or something in the limiteds. And I was kind of looking for something more. And I I asked my dad during the winter, I was like, well, what do you think about, you know, running, running the late model? And he thought about it for a bit and, and he decided to go with it. I mean, I, I have a bit of a reputation. People know about it, <laughs> but I think I think that he was a little bit confident that I wouldn't wreck Tom, at least. And I'm pretty proud to say that I didn't wreck Tom. A uh, l- little bit of an aside there, but either way, um, I, I don't know. That's just how the cards fell, I guess. There wasn't really too much discussion beyond, hey, you want to run a late model in 2019.
0: Huh. Well, it it looks like it worked out for you. You got your a win in your rookie season. Going forward for next year, or I guess this year, if we get to race assuming we will race because there's a very good chance we will race here at Stafford, uh, at some point, once we are back at the track, are you expecting to continue that and keep winning or are you guys just going to see how it goes? I'm just going to not wreck Tom again. I think that's (laughs) a good goal to go for, but,
1: but no, in all all seriousness, all three of us here at Fern Motorsports, we're all looking for wins. Uh, we've been doing our homework, working closely with Joe Ham helps us out on our chassis stuff and, uh, Hopefully we'll be able to get my sister back in victory lane. Hopefully me and Tom will be able to share some more victories instead of me just getting the one. <laughs> you know, I I would I would like to try and uh, try and get up near Tom as far as the uh, all time win leaders at Stafford goes, but I still think that's a long time coming. I got so much to learn still in the late models, and as long as Tom's out there on the track, that learning pace is going to be. it's it's going to be extra accelerated. I mean, that's not really the most elegant way to put it, but (laughs) even just following him in practice, there's so much to learn. So I I really think that there's going to be good things coming to for motorsports overall.
0: Absolutely. There, it's a very strong team week in and week out and everyone knows the name around there. So outside the track though, you do a lot of other extracurricular activities. I guess you could say you've got a computer business going. So is there ever any any conflict with, oh, I want to, you know, I, I would have done better that race, but I spent all week playing video games? Because you and I both know from playing lots of video games together, um, we probably play a bit too much.
1: <laughs> Man, <sighs> honestly, if I didn't have video games in my life, I wonder where I'd be as a race car driver. I'm going <laughs> to be completely honest.
0: I would probably I, I be I a race get my priorities straight. <laughs> I would probably be a race car driver, but no, I'm stuck behind a microphone. <laughs> stuck behind a microphone with the iRacing subscription. There you go. Oh my goodness. But yeah, you've gotten into iRacing uh, as of late, and you run the late models on there. Um, some good setups have come out of your your little shop there. So how how well does it carry over for you running a late model at Stafford on iRacing? Uh, compared that to real life
1: just go read my eye racing biography i have no idea what i'm doing
0: <laughs> that's true i i forgot that on your profile in i racing it literally just says i have no idea what i'm doing but
1: and that's kind of the truth i really don't have an idea of what i'm doing in i racing because as, compared to real life i mean also considering that my experience in racing in real life is pretty limited i mean i no pun intended considering i've of these late models i wasn't gonna
0: say it but there we go
1: (laughs) (laughs) but but either way i mean most of my racing career i've raced at the same facility i went around during the wild thing karts days when i first started racing on the mini mile and then you know went up to the stafford half mile the only other time that i've driven a full-size car at another track was 2018 oktoberfest at lee usa and that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life because it's a high banked three-eighth Uh, asphalt oval and Stafford I was so comfortable there but moving to a completely different uh, proving ground it's just it it really tests you as a race car driver how quickly you can pick that up and whether you're able to um, stay consistent at a brand new facility and that also carries over into iRacing there's so many different tracks that you can race every single week you're going somewhere else and they've got like a bajillion different cars you can mess with every little tiny bit on the setup without having to argue with the crew chief about what's the best thing. And a lot of the times I end up making plenty of mistakes just because it's such a different environment and you really need to put in thousands and thousands of laps in order to get even halfway comfortable with being a sim racer. It's an entirely different experience.
0: Absolutely. Right now, before we wrap this up, we ask one question to everyone that comes on the show, whether they're a local Uh, short track crew guy or a hall of famer. What was the first car that you ever drove? Like your first street car that you drove
1: first street car. I think when I was like five, my dad put me in his lap in the old 98 civic and let me (laughs) drive it down the street on the way home or something. Actual like street car, street car that I could call my own. It was a hand me down, 1997 mercedes-benz e320 and i still have it
0: you still have you're still whipping around the old e3
1: i mean i've hopped between other cars and stuff but things that tank
0: oh my gosh absolutely i don't know there's always there's always like some sort of good story like yours where you were five years old whipping a honda civic there's something about that we had uh cory lajoy used to pick up women uh pick up girls in high school because he had a Nintendo 64 in the back of his car. you go, hey, you want to go play some Mario Kart? And then, boom. Oh, my God. Yep. Genius. Genius right there, yeah. Um, there's always always something. But, Ryan, uh, I, I'm guessing you're going to want to thank all your, your sponsors behind the scenes and everyone behind the scenes right here before you head on out.
1: Yeah, can I get a list?
0: Yeah, anyone you want.
1: Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> I'm going to... There's a, there's a lot of people to thank. Oh boy. Um, I'm going to sound like a doofus. This is what I do during the victory lane interviews and everything. I get, I I think about it too much. All right, let's just go. Safeco foam, whip sporting goods, rad auto machine for the power underneath the hood, new England gear polishing, helping us out with our wheel bearings and stuff like that. Williams race gear. Shout outs to John Williams. Fantastic dude all the time also got to thank Short Track Baker, Stoney over at the Fuel Truck, New England Racing Fuels. Who's your tire east? I also want to thank everybody on the crew. I want to thank my dad. I also got to thank my mom because if my mom didn't give my dad the okay way back in 2005 or whenever the heck we started racing, then I don't think I'd ever have gotten into a car ever. And, um, yeah, I I I think that's everyone I want to say,
0: well, there you go. You, you think, well, if you have any others, you can uh, mention them in the tweet or on Facebook or wherever you shared this link where everyone can follow along. You can follow bottled up on Twitter at bottled up radio. If you want to follow more about my uh, follow and know more about my announcing stuff. You have Jay underscore announcing on Instagram and Jeff McHoney announcing on Facebook. If you want to follow along with me personally, however, Everyone, uh, especially to Ryan Fern, thank you for uh, joining us on this week's episode. I'm sure we'll have you back again, and we'll be, uh, we'll, be, we'll be tearing it up at the track. Now that we've actually had the chance to be introduced to each other and, and get to know each other over this offseason, uh, we're going to get into some trouble next year, this upcoming year at Stafford. I'm excited for it. So, Ryan, thank you for joining us on the show. And, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Bottled Up.